This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. You know, times have changed, especially in the way we view things like sexual assault. And yes, the Me Too movement has had a lot to do with this. We ask a lot more questions now, but why? Why, for instance, aren't police more aggressive when they look into and investigate sexual assaults? We have been reading about this. It was a great series in the Globe and Mail recently called Unfounded uh, by investigative journalist Robin Doolittle. Well, she has now built on that work, and she's writing about all of this in her latest book called had it coming. She examines what she calls rape culture and looks at how we, all of us, have changed when it comes to our reaction to stories in the past versus stories today. And writing it, she says, was a personal awakening for her. Let's hear more about this now. Robin Doolittle joins us. Robin, thanks so much for joining us today to talk about your book. How has the reception been? Oh man, what a question. It's been really fascinating. I've yeah. now been doing this stuff for about a month and the whole book is about trying to bring these conversations that people are having in private with girlfriends that they trust into the public. And I was really unsure of how that was going to play out, but it's great. People want to talk about, yeah, consent is, yeah. is complicated. Let's get into the muck here on these issues. That's why I asked the question because <laughs> when I was reading the book, I that was the thought that I had too. Like you start by telling the Kobe Bryant story, which I think is so fascinating because because I've had that same kind of thought process happen to me as well. And you wonder, are we the only ones that are thinking this? But clearly from your book, that is not the case. Everybody is rethinking the way they used to view these issues. Exactly. Uh, You know, the book, I'm spending a lot of time asking people to think about rape myths and stereotypes, like these outdated ideas that we all harbor about women and gender and power and victims and sex, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And when I was doing research for the book, I came across that Kobe Bryant case again. And it was crazy because, you know, when I was reading the details of that case, there was a lot of evidence that something happened. There was blood on his shirt. She had vaginal trauma, et cetera. And I remember when I heard about it when I was 18 thinking, well, what did this girl think going to a hotel room with an NBA player at night? And like, that's messed up. Why was that my thought? That's rape culture. And we have to unpack why we hold these views. And it was reinforced at the time, right? Time and time again with the coverage. Yeah, that that was wild too, going through the media coverage at the time. I think the, the headline in the Los Angeles Times was something like, Kobe Bryant's accuser is an emotional party girl. Like, you know, it's a little dog whistle, like, like this girl had it coming, like this girl was, you know, asking for it. That, that's that's what rape culture is. And, you know, also with that case, the court staff um, leaked private information about this girl to the media by accident. They, they, they emailed journalists a closed door discussion about her sexual history. Um, a, a tabloid ran a full page photo of her with her name saying, you know, did she lie? Like, this is crazy. This was only 2003, not that long ago. Do you think this would happen again? Do you think a case like that would happen today, given everything that's happened in the last couple of years? No, uh, I th- I think that the conversation would be different yeah. about it, and that's really what's you know different about me too. Not when you say again, I, I think it is completely possible that an allegation like this would happen right. again, but the conversation would be different, and I think that's the real difference. What's changed between Kobe Bryant and say a Gian Gomeshi or a Bill Cosby or the Harvey Weinstein? It's, it's social media. It's given everyone a platform. Right. Uh, this grew out of a series that you did called Unfounded, which was so fascinating that which looked. Thank into you. the 
statistics right across the country of police forces and the number of sexual assault cases that they actually investigate. There were some shocking statistics in there. I mean, we don't necessarily have a problem of people coming forward. People are coming forward. It's what is happening once they come forward. Exactly. Yeah, I was. I, I became immersed in this topic beginning in 2015. At the time, everyone was talking about Gian Gomeshi and that the justice system was failing sexual assault victims. And I'm an investigative journalist at the Globe and Mail, and I thought, well, I wonder if that's true. I mean, it feels true, but is it? And what I was essentially trying to do is figure out if we could quantify rape culture. Can we put a number to it? And that's where I collected statistics from more than 800 police jurisdictions and found that one in five cases were being dismissed as unfounded, which means it's base or, or baseless or false in the officer's mind. And this was more than mm-hmm. twice the rate for, for physical assault. And, and why was that? And that gets back to just these outdated ideas, I think, that police officers were hearing allegations from women and not sure what to make of it and thinking, well, it's just sex. Maybe this isn't so serious or she was drinking. I don't know what to make of it. But shockingly, as you just said, though, if it was just a physical assault without the sex in it, the numbers were different. Exactly. Yeah, they were dramatically less. And and physical assault uh, is the most comparable crime. It's a crime on a person. And, and physical assault is often, you know, one story against another story. Same thing. Yeah. So what's the difference? I, I looked into 54 specific cases. And what I found was just these one mass confusion about Canadian consent laws. Canada has some of the most progressive laws in the world. The laws are not the problem. It's that they're not being enforced. And why aren't they being enforced? And this is all kind of tying into what we're exploring now with Me Too. These these ideas that we have around, you know, how victims are supposed to behave. I spend some time in the book talking about mm. trauma. And it's really important to understand this because, um, you know, let's say someone is being assaulted and they don't scream for help if someone's nearby. That, that seems illogical. Like, why wouldn't you do that? And it's not until you unpack the science behind what's happening in the body when someone's truly terrified for their life, that it makes sense why someone might not scream or run. You also looked at, like, as you said, so many police forces where there, and I know there were particular police forces across the country that really stood out for some questionable statistics and including some here in BC. Yeah. And and that was what was interesting is that uh, there wasn't really no pattern. It's like just huh. you can have a police service of a very similar size and demographics side by side, and they would have dramatically different numbers. And I think a lot of it comes down to the training that officers like do officers. I, here's a big thing. I interviewed mm-hmm. a lot of police officers. Police officers are not, for the most part, bad people. Right. This, I no, think, of course not. Yeah. Right. It, it's just a lack of resources or training or understanding. A lot of this stuff wasn't malicious. Like, I spend some time in the book interviewing Robin Camp. This is the judge that famously right. said, you know, why didn't she just keep her knees together if she didn't want to be penetrated? And when I was reading the transcript of that case, it, it's not that this guy was. I didn't see malice. I just saw ignorance. He just didn't know. And and he was put on a very public trial, um, a disciplinary hearing, and he went through an evolution of thought by reaching out to these feminist legal scholars and mentors to understand where his ideas had gone wrong. But it's so disappointing to think that somebody like that who was appointed to the bench without having had to have any kind of training. So here he is hearing sexual assault cases, but he knows he doesn't have that training. So why wouldn't somebody like that go, I need to learn more about this if I'm going to rule on this? Well, this is all part of what we're trying to understand now in this moment is like, why is it that an oil and gas judge can be on the bench hearing sexual assault trials? There is no way to force sitting judges to have 
training, specialized training. And you must have been disappointed then. I mean, I know Ron Ambrose did a great job in bringing forth that bill that would kind of make it mandatory for that kind of training. Right. We interviewed her several times about it, and then it died in the Senate before it, yes. the election was called. It's it's nuts. And I mean, there was such so many common sense things in, in Rana's bill, such as um, that verdicts need to be written down. Like, and, and that sounds like such an obvious thing. But when you're a journalist, so many of these cases come out because a journalist has spotted them. Yeah. Like with Robin Camp, um, that was two legal scholars that saw that and it was written about in the Globe and Mail. And then there was a hearing. Robin Camp is not an outlier. Like this is very common, the these time, misconceptions. Yeah. In my reporting, I uncovered many judges with problematic views. Um, but it was because I was able to get the transcript uh, and, and see those. But so many cases, they don't have to write it down. It's just one of those odd little fixes that I think we're moving forward, that right. would be an easy way. So when you talk about all the results and things that have happened as a, you know, because of the investigations that you did and what you is there something that's particularly rewarding to you where you go, I'm so glad this has now happened? I mean, from the Unfounded series, police services have had a massive overhaul of training and oversight. And that's really great. I, I think with me too, we all... If you know, if you polled the country, are you you know, are you pro sexual assault? Are you pro sexual harassment? No, obviously people are going to say no. Yeah. Where we differ is what constitutes the bad behavior. Where what what is crossing the line? And uh, you know, as I said, like things like consent, things like do people who have committed harm deserve a second chance? Understanding trauma, the role of social media, due process, this myth of false accusations, where that's coming from. All of these things are really complicated. They're not black and white. We need to have these discussions. And what I'm happy that I'm seeing is people having these conversations because that's the only way we're going to move forward. Like today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. That's Robin Doolittle. Her book is called Had It Coming? What's Fair in the Age of Hashtag Me Too? It's a very thoughtful look at all of these issues. You should definitely check that out.